Chapter twenty five of Our Army at the Front. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Our Army at the Front by Haywood Brown. Chapter twenty five. Before taking up the final phases of the Meuse Argonne campaign and the final phases of the war, it is fitting to follow the fortunes of some divisions which saw actions in other parts of the front. The Second Corps, for example, remained with the British and saw desperately hard service and won corresponding fame. This corps was composed of the 27th and 30th Divisions, and in conjunction with the Australian Corps it participated in the attack which broke the Hindenburg Line near San Quintan. The 27th Division had the honor of being the first unit actually to breach the famous division system of the Germans. The attack began on September 29th and continued through October the 1st. Both divisions were compelled to advance over difficult terrain against strongly fortified positions. They were raked from both sides by machine-gun fire as they cut their way through innumerable lines of barbed wire. But in spite of the determined resistance of the Germans, they broke the line. The divisions also saw hard service from October 6th to October 19th. In these operations the Second Corps was credited with the capture of more than 6,000 prisoners and advanced into enemy territory for a distance of 13 miles. Marshal Haig expressed his admiration of the conduct and achievements of both the American divisions, which served with his forces. American divisions also played an important role in conjunction with the French, when they assisted in an attack against the Germans just outside of Reims. This operation continued from October 2nd to October 9th, and was marked by severe and bitter fighting. The American forces engaged were the 2nd and 36th Divisions. Perhaps the most noteworthy achievement in the campaign was the capture of Blancmont by the 2nd Division. Blancmont is a wooded hill, and was very strongly held by the Germans. The Americans were repulsed in their first assault, but came back and tried again. This time they swept the German defenders before them. The assault by no means completed their labors, for after the capture of the hill, the division was called upon to repulse strong counter-attacks in front of the village of Saint-Étienne. Not content with driving the Germans back, the second went on and took the town. The Germans were forced to abandon positions they had held ever since the autumn of 1914. By this time the second division had earned a rest, and it was relieved by the 36th. The relieving troops were inexperienced. They had never been under fire, and the Germans subjected them to a severe artillery strafing, but did not shake their confidence. The division performed useful work in pursuing the Germans in their retirement behind the Ain. Other divisions saw service with the French in Belgium. After the ending of the second phase of the Meuse-Argonne campaign, the 37th and 91st Divisions were withdrawn and sent to join the French near Ypres. They took part in a heavy attack on October 31st. The 37th inflicted a severe defeat upon opposing troops at the Esco River on November the 3rd, and the 91st won much praise from the French for a flanking movement which resulted in the capture of the Spitales Bolchen Wood. Although the German army had begun to disintegrate by November the 1st, the Americans saw some hard fighting after that date. The task set for Pershing's men was in theory almost as difficult as clearing the Argonne Forest. The offensive was aimed at the Longuyon sedan mezieres railway, which was one of the most important lines of communication of the German army. 
Germany was aware of the gravity of this threat and used her very best troops in an effort to stop the Americans. For a time the Germans fought steadily, but their morale was waning at the end. The Americans found on several occasions that their second-day gains were greater than those of the first day, which was formerly an unheard-of thing on the Western Front. In the final days of the war the Americans had to go their fastest in an effort to reach Sedan before the armistice went into effect. During one phase of the battle doughboys mounted on auto-trucks went forward in a vain effort to establish contact with the enemy. The roads were so bad, however, that the Americans were unable to catch up with the fleeing Germans. The third phase of the Meuse-Argonne campaign found the Americans absolutely confident of success. They knew their superiority over the Germans, and the American army was constantly growing stronger, while the Germans grew weaker. Pershing was able to send well-rested divisions into the battle. The final advance began on November the 1st. American artillery was stronger than ever in numbers and much more experienced. Never before had our army seen such a barrage, and the German infantry broke before the advance of the doughboys. The German heart to fight had begun to develop murmurs, although there were some units among the enemy forces which fought with great gallantry until the very end. Ancreville, Dulcon, and Andevan fell in the first day of the attack. Landre saint georges was next to go as the fifth corps in an impetuous attack swept up to bayonville on november second which was the second day of the attack the first corps was called in to give added pressure by this time the german resistance was pretty well broken it was now that the motor truck offensive began behind the trucks the field guns rattled along as the artillerymen spurred on their horses in a vain effort to catch up with something at which they could shoot at the end of the third day of the attack, the American army had penetrated the German line to a depth of twelve miles. A slight pause was then necessary in order that the big guns might come up. But on November the 5th, the Third Corps crossed the Meuse. They met a sporadic resistance from German machine gunners, but swept them up with small losses. By the 7th of November, the chief objective of the offensive thrust was obtained. On that day, American troops, among them the Rainbow Division, reached Sedan. Pershing's army had cut the enemy's line of communication. Nothing but surrender, or complete defeat, was left to him. In estimating the extent of the American victory, it is interesting to note that General Pershing reported that forty enemy divisions participated in the Meuse-Argonne battle. Our army took 26,059 prisoners and captured 468 guns. Colonel Frederick Palmer estimates that 650,000 American soldiers were engaged in the battle. This is a greater number than were engaged at San Mihiel, and it was, of course, a new mark in the records of the American army. Colonel Palmer has stated his opinion that Meuse-Argonne was one of the four decisive battles of the war. The other three which he names are the First Battle of the Marne, the First Battle of Ypres, and Verdun. Curiously enough, Chateau Thierry looms larger in the mind of the average American than Meuse-Argonne, although the number of Americans engaged in the former battle was not half as great as those who battered their way through the forest. Of course, the importance of a battle is not to be judged solely by the number of men engaged, but there seems to be no good reason for assigning a strategic importance to Chateau Thierry, which is denied to Meuse-Argonne. Most of the military critics are of the opinion that the widespread belief that the Americans saved Paris at the Battle of Chateau Thierry is not literally true. The American victory was a factor, to be sure, 
it was even an important factor perhaps from the point of view of morale it was vital but judged by strict military standards there is no support for the frequent assertion that only a few marines stood between paris and the triumphant entry of the german army meuse argonne on the other hand was not only a campaign solely under american control but a large-scale battle which probably shortened the war by many months this victory was america's chief contribution in the field to the cause of the allies it is on meuse argonne that our military prestige will rest the divisions engaged were the first second third fourth fifth twenty sixth twenty eighth twenty ninth thirty second thirty third thirty fifth thirty seventh forty second seventy seventh seventy eighth seventy ninth eightieth eighty second eighty ninth ninetieth and ninety first the first fifth twenty sixth forty second seventy seventh eightieth eighty ninth and ninetieth were particularly honored by being put in the line twice during the campaign though the armistice was now close at hand the war had not ended the policy of allied leadership was to fight until the last minute lest there should be some hitch the american plans called for an advance toward longwy by the first army in cooperation with the second army which was to threaten the brie iron fields if the war had kept up this would have been followed by an offensive in the direction of Sato salines with the ultimate object of cutting off metz the attack of the second army was actually in progress when the time came set in the armistice for the cessation of hostilities at eleven o'clock the hostilities ceased suddenly although just before that the second army was advancing against heavy and determined machine-gun fire with both sides apparently unwilling to believe that the war was almost over at other points in the line where no offensive was set for the last day the artillerymen had the final word to say most of the american guns fired at the foe just before eleven o'clock and in many batteries the gunners joined hands to pull the lanyards so that all might have a share in the final defiance to germany when the war ended the american position ran from port sur seal across the moselle to vandiere through the Wouvre to bisonvaux thence to the Meuse at Mouzet, and ending at Sedan. There were abroad or in transit 2,053,347 American soldiers, less the losses, and of these there were 1,338,169 combatant troops in France. The American army captured about 44,000 prisoners and 1,400 guns. The figures on our losses are not yet entirely checked up at the time of this writing but they were approximately three hundred thousand in killed died of disease wounded and missing when he wrote his report to secretary baker general pershing reserved his final paragraph for a tribute to his men and in it he said finally i pay the supreme tribute to our officers and soldiers of the line when i think of their heroism their patience under hardships their unflinching spirit of offensive action I am filled with emotion which I am unable to express. Their deeds are immortal, and they have earned the eternal gratitude of our country. End of chapter 25 Recording by Philip Gould